Hi there, I'm Janet Quinlan, and this is Finding Joy in Motherhood, the podcast for women who are looking for practical tools and words of encouragement to create an orderly, joyful, faith and virtue-driven home. I'll share tips to create mindset shifts that change the way you discipline your children, love your husband, and enjoy your day. This podcast is about coaching women to be the best woman God is calling her to be. I'm so glad you're here. Hi, and welcome to episode number 165, Are You Raising an Addict? How's that for a title? Well, listen, before I get into that, because it's kind of serious, uh, I want to tell you that Reimagine Motherhood, my coaching membership for moms, will be open for enrollment on March 23rd. So make sure you get on the wait list so you don't miss any of the details. Um, What do we do in the coaching membership? Well, each month I have a topic that is related to marriage, motherhood, home management, prayer life, and mindset. And so I choose a topic and I give two workshops a month on that theme. And then I open up uh, time for coaching. So you have three calls a month, one time a week or an hour, and um, I do my workshop, and then I coach for the rest of the hour for anyone who wants to get coached or has questions. And also all workshops and coaching calls are recorded, and they're placed in a membership hub and on a private podcast channel so that you can listen to them anytime you want. So if you can't make one of the weeks, totally fine. And then that third week, I really just go over the model that we use, the coaching model, and I want to help you incorporate it into your life so much that you don't even realize that you're stopping and you're thinking and you're deciding how you want to respond, what you want to think about a particular situation. So some of the topics that we talk about are communication and intimacy in marriage, creating a strong self-image, both for ourselves and for our children. Um, I do a lot of parenting courses, a lot of home management routines, Uh, We talk about goal setting and how to accomplish your goals and relationship boundaries and helping children succeed in school and on and on and on. So almost anything that you can think about within those pillars of marriage, motherhood, parenting, home management, self-care. And under self-care, I talk about prayer, mindset, and of course, all of your physical, emotional needs. So go to JanetQuinlan.com forward slash waitlist. Make sure you get on the wait list so when I open enrollment, you'll be alerted and you can sign up so that you can start in April. All right. Are you raising an addict? I know that that is a title that kind of catches you. Like, of course I'm not raising an addict. Who would want to raise an addict? And I use the word addict because I do think that sometimes some of the behaviors and actions that we take as parents set our children up for addictions or failures. And we don't want to do that. We want to set our children up to be strong, virtuous adults. But in this age where everything should be happy, we sometimes forget that we have to let our children experience some of the pains. So I want to talk specifically today about possible consequences of actions that we may take with our children. Actions like turning the TV on when they're bored or when we have had enough of them, or maybe in the opposite extreme, playing with them most of the day because we think they're lonely or they just really want to play with us 
And so we don't do what we have to do in the home and we give all our time to them. Or maybe it's giving them a cookie so they won't cry. Handing them the phone when we're in the grocery store so they don't complain or whine. Maybe it's when we get in the car, we immediately turn on a movie for them. Or maybe it's giving in to them whatever they want in the grocery store because we fear their tantrum rather than helping them process their feelings of disappointment that they can't have something. Maybe it's giving them a phone when they want it so that they can play games. Or as teens, text as much as they want. Or surf social media as much as they want. Or it could be the video games that we just send them off and let them play so that they are not, quote, bored. We teach our children to turn to other things or distractions to cope with their feelings rather than process their feelings. In the coaching world, we call it buffering. It's using a protective barrier against negative emotions. When we buffer, we use external things to either protect us emotionally or to change how we feel emotionally. As adults, we know that life is a blend of positive and negative emotions and experiences. We don't always like the negative emotions and experiences. We know in our head that they are there, but our primitive brain doesn't like to experience the negative part. We have in our primitive brain the part called the motivational triad. It seeks pleasure, it avoids pain, and it conserves energy. And so when we have a negative emotion... We do something or we want to do something to avoid the pain. Rather than deal with negative emotions and work them out, our brain wants to conserve energy and so we just scroll media. We avoid conflict and confrontation. We eat when we're not hungry and usually it's something sugary or something with a lot of flour that gives a good dopamine hit. Maybe we drink too much. Or maybe it's pornography or Netflix binging. When we do this, we are avoiding emotional issues. We're avoiding emotional pain. We can also do this for our children, teaching them how to cope with negative feelings by using something else to distract them rather than feeling the negative feelings. When we buffer, we do it to keep from fully experiencing our lives, to hide from reality. A lot of the time it's because we don't have a prayer life. We don't have this habit of going to God and bringing to him our problems and letting him take care of things and letting him soothe us. We don't want to experience boredom and disappointment and annoyance and sadness and anger. And we don't want our children to experience those things either. So rather than helping them learn how to process those emotions... We help them buffer against them. On average, children ages 8 to 12 in the United States spend 4 to 6 hours a day watching or using screens, and teens spend up to 9, and I would say 9 plus hours a day. The Mayo Clinic says that too much screen time can make it hard for your child to sleep at night. It raises your child's risk for ADHD and anxiety and depression. It raises your child's risk for gaining too much weight. Obviously, they're just sitting on their bottoms doing nothing. It's also reported that kids who spend more than two hours a day on screen time activities score lower on language and thinking tests. 
And children who spend more than seven hours a day on screens show a thinning of the brain's cortex, which manages critical thinking and reasoning. And with regards to eating in response to negative emotions, obesity has tripled since I was a kid. It's now at 19% in children. Physical issues of sleep problems, asthma, type 2 diabetes, and then you have the psychological issues of depression and poor self-esteem and anxiety. So in addition to the health issues that affect our children with this kind of buffering, as I call it, we also have all the emotional issues. And the biggest issue is that we neglect teaching them the critical skill of dealing with negative emotions. And if we don't teach them that skill when they're children, guess what? They are not going to know it when they're adults. We live in a world that has as its God, small g, happiness and pleasure. The marketing and advertising world bombards us with this message. When we're unhappy, we should go buy something. We should go eat something. We should drink something. We should do something. We should always be happy and fulfilled. That's what the secular culture tells us. And we believe the lie that we can achieve happiness and pleasure all the time. Again, we do it for ourselves and we're probably doing it for our children. We want them always to be happy because if they're not happy, we have to deal with it. We don't want to deal with it. And for some, it's really, you know, comes from a good place. I don't want my child to be unhappy. But I am here to tell you, having raised seven children into adulthood, it's critical for them to experience disappointment, anger, sadness, all those negative emotions being left out. Because as adults now, I'm watching my adult children have to deal with disappointment, anger, sadness, not being chosen, all those things. And thank goodness they learned how to do it as a child. Because if they didn't, they would be really having serious, serious problems now as an adult. The more we do a particular activity to buffer, to protect us from negative feelings, or to protect our children from negative feelings, the more we reinforce that they need or we need to keep doing it to respond to negative feelings. And we become dependent on the buffering of false pleasure. What would your life be like if you didn't seek the false pleasure and just lived a life that was true, honest, and authentic? What would your life be like if you didn't give your child a distraction or false pleasure instead of interacting with them, helping them process their negative emotions, teaching them the boundaries of what they can and cannot do in order to express their emotions. Your children are going to have negative emotions. Your job is to teach them how to process them, how to feel them, and how to process them. For parents, the false pleasures we give our children are an easy way of neither of us, our children nor us, deal with the negative emotions. But when we use distractions to help our children avoid the negative feelings or to help us avoid having to teach them how to deal with the negative feelings, it prevents them from living a fully lived life. 
Even Jesus had negative emotions. He cried at the tomb of Lazarus. He was angry in the synagogue when the people were misusing the holy place. It is the human condition to experience pain, disappointments, stress, anger. Facilitating the avoidance of these emotions for our children doesn't make them go away. It just helps them not to see or feel them. And that's not a good thing. So when we give our children outside coping mechanisms, distractions, we take the opportunities for them to learn how to self-regulate, how to live and process negative emotions, and how to solve their own problems. We take that away from them. We don't take the opportunity to teach them. And I think we neglect our parenting duties when we do that. And we take away so much time connecting with them. So how can we help our children work through negative emotions? First, develop a deep connection with each child. Dr. Laura Markham says, when kids feel that we're delighted with them, they want to cooperate. So that happy, fun connection eliminates most misbehavior. And I found that to be true with my own children and with all the children I taught in the classroom. Teachers would come to me and say, well, how do you get your children to behave? And I say, I love them. (laughs) I invest in them. I connect with them. I take time to teach them, not just math and reading, but social skills, emotional skills. That's the key. People wonder why their children never do what they want them to do or why they have just the strong-willed children that other people don't have. Not true. They have created the strong-willed children. You have created the strong will in your child. Now, don't be mad at me, (laughs) all right? Yes, some children are born a little more strong-willed than others, but almost all children will test us. And when we walk away from the test and we put them in front of the TV, we lose the opportunity to teach them self-regulation. Connect with your children. Number two, identify the trigger. When they have negative emotions, is it because of boredom or anger or disappointment or sadness or maybe jealousy? Connect with them, identify the trigger, and help them learn how to deal with it. Number three, validate and relate. Let them know, yeah, I know that it's very hurtful when that little girl won't play with you. I'm so sorry. Did it make you feel sad? Talk with them. Okay, how can you feel your sadness without a tantrum? What can you do? Ask them questions. Children know answers. It's so interesting. We don't ask children, what do you think you can do? Or what do you think the consequences should be? Or how can we prevent this in the future? They have answers. Now, sometimes they'll say, I want a cookie. And that's not the answer. But it's the one that you've trained them to think. So help them with strategies to overcome the trigger obstacles. Validate and relate. Number four is show acceptance of how they're feeling. Number five is teach emotional regulation. What could they do to deal with the emotion? So they kind of, you can see where they kind of all blend together here. Number six is give positive feedback when they do handle negative emotions well. They can cry, okay? Don't tell your child they can't cry. But can they scream and yell and throw things? No, they can't. 
because we're not helping them control and regulate their emotion of sadness. Give them other ways to do it and give them positive feedback when they do handle their negative emotions well. And number seven is children learn by watching. So how do you handle negative emotions? So many moms come to me and say, I don't want to yell and scream at my kids anymore. And my easy answer is, okay, don't. And they look at me like, I can't help it. But they can control it by, instead of using their primitive brain, which is just reactive, they use their prefrontal cortex, which thinks, how do I solve this problem? Your job as a parent, as your child's first and primary teacher, okay? It's not the school who teaches your children virtues. Now, in a good school, they will necessarily teach them virtues, but a teacher's job is to teach them math, reading, science, history, how to hold a pencil, okay? That's your teacher's job at school. Yes, in a good school, they're incorporating how to live a good Christian virtuous life. But it's your job as the primary teacher in your child's life to teach them how to deal with everything that comes up in their life. It's not to make sure that they're pacified all day long. Your job is to help them develop into virtuous adults who can handle negative emotions. Don't give them the habit of depending on some outside force to avoid processing their feelings. Teach them how to process their feelings without tantrums or disrespect. Our children will not naturally grow up and just know how to process their emotions. It's our job to model healthy processing of emotions and teach them to do the same. All right, don't forget, go to Janet Quinlan. And Quinlan is Q-U-I-N-L-A-N.com. Janet Quinlan, all one word, slash waitlist, all one word. Sign up to get information about Reimagine Motherhood, my coaching program for women of all ages. I have young moms and I have seasoned moms. So all are welcome because we really all deal with the same issues. And we just did... Um, a great workshop in Lent about systems and routines. And we opened it up for people to comment about systems and routines that work for them. And everybody was able to listen and think, huh, maybe I could incorporate that into my life. So we love the idea of all different age moms and um, just really hope that you will come and join us. JanetQuinlan.com forward slash waitlist enrollment will be open March 23rd through the 30th. Okay, everybody, thank you so much for being here. Take care of your children, whether they're babies or they're adults. Have a great week. Do you have a life coach who helps you be the woman you want to be, the woman God has called you to be? Who helps you sort through your marriage or parenting difficulties and helps you create the mindset you need to embrace your vocation with joy and gratitude? If you're looking for a coach, I would be so honored to help you. Email me at Janet at FindingJoyInMotherhood.com.